type. Caterpillar to a butterfly. It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Ashley Frasca with you. Green and Growing. Good Saturday morning. Thanks for tuning in. So I've popped out to do a special feature about the 86th annual Atlanta Dogwood Festival. But don't worry, I'll be right back in the studio in Midtown Atlanta. But I am out here on a beautiful morning with Executive Director Brian Hill. How many years is this for you? This is my 14th year, and I'm really excited about this year. This year is really special because after COVID, everybody's ready to come out. And these artists, this is probably the biggest collection of artists in one place in the last two years. We have all of our full um, 260 artists back, and they are so excited about being here. I mean, vendors, food, activities, entertainment, as far as the eye can see. And folks have been missing the spring celebration. Correct me if I'm wrong, but last year you all had to move it to the fall, which dogwoods aren't in bloom at that time. But yeah, talk about how it feels to be back to normal. Well, one thing that's uh, different for us is we had to hurry up and, you know, we, we kind of kept going right after August to get into, get this ready for April. But the dogwoods are in bloom it's beautiful in the park the feeling is just exuberant our team is all back together the family of the festival is together um, it's it's just an, it's kind of a special year for all of us and you said you're part of kind of an international festival society type deal where does this rank on the national list of festivals I mean this is a staple and has been obviously for 86 years for the Atlanta community yeah, well, we've been rated as high as in the top 10 of the festivals. Um, of the top 100, we've been up in the top 10. And um, it's it's well-known, well-renowned, and the artists compete. There's an awful lot of artists compete from around the country, even as far as, in, as Canada, to be selected in our jury process to be here. Uh, so it's a very special festival. And it's special, too. Folks can bring their families and folks from out of town come down for this. And it's free to the public, but there's got to be a revenue stream for you guys in order for you to survive. And I know the last two years were hard on you. How do you all manage to do that? Well, the big thing is we are uh, free. We're trying to keep it free. Um, we are asking people that if they enjoy the festival when they come down, or even if they want to go online, we're requesting a minimum $5 donation, but we'll take anything because that's what supports these artists that, that turn up year after year. The high school art exhibition, which reaches over 83 schools and has some phenomenal works inside here at the community center. Um, and, and these bands, we've got over 18 countries represented on our main stage that make up the fabric of Atlanta. So it's, um, we have that, we have the uh, VA, VIP um, Party in the Park experience where we still have tickets for today and tomorrow. Um, you can go online and buy those. It includes beer and wine tastings and you're right up there by the main stage. And there's a nice restroom trailer for those that do not like Porta John's, which is always a selling point. And then through the, our beverage sales as well. Um, so come on out, let's have a party together. Let's all be happy we're back and, and buy a lot of beer, um, drink some wine, have some sodas, and uh, let, let's all come out and be part of Atlanta together. And you mentioned there the Atlanta High School's art exhibit, which you just took me through. Fascinating art, great work from some of our brightest high school students. Um, it seemed like you were pretty passionate about that. So encourage folks to, to at least stop by that, and where is that located? Well, that's just as you come in on the 12th Street entrance of the park, um, on the right-hand side in what's called the Community Center. And the work is just phenomenal. And, and it's uh, our program reaches over 83 metro schools. And these kids, we had uh, close to 700 entries to try to get in. And, and that's the best of the best that 
compete, their teachers select them to um, enter in, and they're judged the same as we have um, our professional artists. And then of that, this is the cream of the crop that gets in from that. So it's exceptional art, and I, I'm just spellbound to think of how young these students are that are doing this and think what bright futures they have. And I'm just really proud that we're able to provide this program to encourage them to continue with their art because their expression is phenomenal. And maybe folks who are new to our great city or have never been, what can they expect to see and enjoy at the park aside from some of the entertainment and aside from the art exhibit? Well, there's, you know, the, the park's in full bloom. Um, there's the, all the favorite foods that you've been missing for a couple of years. Funnel cake. Yeah, exactly. And, and it covers the whole park. So, span, you know, plan to spend some time here. And we've got such a variety of music on that main stage and the international throughout the day. Um, come down, you can you know, meet your friends down here. There's not going to be in a better place to be, uh, you know, today and tomorrow still. Yesterday was phenomenal. We had great crowds. There's just plenty to do, plenty to see. And uh, it's festival time, folks, and it's springtime in Atlanta. Get off your COVID couches and come on down to the park. Please do. Now, speaking of COVID, though, any special things that festival goers maybe need to be aware of or to not bring with them to the Dogwood Festival? Well, thank heavens, um, you know, that is, is at present with outdoor festivals. It's behind us. Um, I do have to say that you, it's city ordinance. You can't bring your pets with you. Um, and I'm a, I'm a dog owner myself. And um, you, You've got a King Cavalier we talked about. I have Shadow the Great Dane. Oh, oh yeah, they're just fabulous. And, but, you know, sometimes you've got to leave your friends at home. And unfortunately, that's one of those. And that's a city ordinance, but I understand because there's such crowds here that you, you don't want to expose your dog to that potential of getting stepped on or being nervous or whichever. And then the kids are at base level for some dogs. We don't want that either. So um, come on down, leave them at home. Tell them about it when you get home. And again, Brian, so you mentioned the VIP party in the park experience. Uh, folks are more than welcome and encouraged to provide a donation to keep this festival going to make sure it can reach 100 years. Uh, give the website. How do folks do that? Okay, they can go on uh, dogwood.org. And then at each gate, we have uh, QR codes that you can scan with your phone and you can do your Venmo and you can do your online payment, that type of deal. And, you know, if you want to bring the cash as well. And what we're doing this year, we also have a lot of nonprofit groups that are going to be helping us at the gates, and they'll get a percentage of the proceeds as well. When you donate money to the festival, you're not only just donating to keep the festival alive, but you're also helping a lot of other nonprofit organizations to earn valuable funds for them too, because we've all been in the same situation. This is a win-win, folks, for the Atlanta community, for all of you, for entertainment. Let's keep it going beyond 86 years. Brian Hill, the executive director of the Atlanta Dogwood Festival. I hope folks come up and introduce themselves throughout the weekend if you're not too busy. No, we're looking forward to seeing each and every one of you. Don't sit at home. Come on out. Let's get some movement. Let's get some dancing in front of the stage. And we'll see you all here uh, today and tomorrow. We're going to have some sunny weather, but folks, it is a little chilly and gusty as well. So coming up when we come back from our break, an update from meteorologist Christina Edwards and what you can expect and why you'll need to bundle up next. You're listening to Green and Growing on WSB. I don't know what song that is, but that's got a good beat to power walk to. <laughs> Thanks to Marco. All right, starting off pretty well on a Saturday morning. Hope that you are as well and you have some fun plans for the weekend. Here's what you need to know. Finley Roofing sponsors the weather update brought to you by WSB meteorologist Christine Edwards. You've heard her saying highs only reaching the mid-50s today. Partly cloudy and very chilly. So layer up. We're going to have clouds in the morning and a little bit of sunshine later on today. Sunny skies tomorrow. High of almost 70. 
And then it's going to be even warmer on Monday. 404-872-0750. Some great calls. Let's get right to them first. We talked to Terry calling from Marietta. Hey there, Terry. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Ashley. Hello. What's going on? So first, I'm sorry about your mom and dad's uh, cable getting cut. Um, <laughs> they were more sorry than me and you, but yes, they were bored out of their minds. <laughs> sure. So um, I wanted to call about your power line comment. Sure. And, uh, so first, I don't work for the power company or a tree company, but the purpose behind them doing this work is their main goal is to maintain service to customers, right? And uh, so um, they spend millions of dollars a year to maintain their easements and right-of-ways so that there's reliable service um, to the communities they serve. And then if and when there's an outage to keep their crews uh, safe, um, it's necessary to keep the the trees trimmed. And um, so so a solution to this would be to uh, plant the correct type of plant underneath the power lines so that they don't mature and grow and, and, and interfere with those lines or offset them an appropriate distance so that the tree canopy would grow in and have a soft edge on their easement so that it, it doesn't have that hard cut line that you often see. Yeah, no, that's good advice. That is tried and true, age old, right tree, right plant, right place. Um, and making sure, yeah, it is on the homeowner to kind of be responsible and read the label and understand the size of the plant in which they're wanting to install. And I don't think anything good could ever come from, you know, installing a tree right below a power line. But if it has to be done, Terry, you're absolutely right. Well, thank you very much for the counterpoint there. I really, really appreciate the thought there. Sure. Y'all have a great day. You too. Thank you so much. And appreciate the linemen, of course, and line workers that do all of that work, installing the services and emergency repairs when electrical lines go down and, you know, God forbid a power spark come from a line and then cause a tree to be set on fire and then it spreads or something like that. Um, But I don't know. I mean, I'll have to ask some of our local power companies, not attacking them by any means, but just how does that work? Do they contract the guys out that, you know, are able to do the trimming or is it in-house employees. I just kind of wish for for landscaping and for gardeners and all of that, I tend to lean on the side of, you know, if someone is going to be touching something in your yard or in your landscape, just having that knowledge of what they're pruning, when the right time to prune is. And I know sometimes it's unavoidable um, and something will only maybe look ugly for just a little bit before it's flushes out with leaves or blooms or whatever the case may be and something's going to look nice again. Uh, the homeowner just may have to wait a couple of months for it to look nice. But uh, I, I'm just a stickler for proper pruning and, and just being respectful of what the plants are in the landscape. But Terry's absolutely right. We can avoid this conversation altogether by right plant, right place. Y'all keep that in mind. And if you have any questions, if the label doesn't go far enough when you pick up the tree or the shrub or whatever from the nursery, do some research on Google. Monrovia, Southern Living Plant Collection, local nurseries, all of that have further detail about proper planting, what you're buying, if it's a dwarf variety, you know, what the mature spread is going to be and all of that. 404-872-0750, Greenville, South Carolina. Good morning, Jennifer. Welcome to welcome to Atlanta. Hey, good morning, Ashley. I have a question for you. Sure. I am looking for a small tree, and the one I was looking for is called a dwarf red bud because mm-hmm. it's an it's, but I can't find them anywhere. But I have a small area in my yard, about eight to ten feet from my house, so it's not going to interfere with 
you know, any of the roots being under my house or anything. Got some really big decorative, huge boulders right there. But I'm looking for a small tree with really pretty, vibrant color. Doesn't have to grow fast. Can you give me some suggestions? Because I can't find the dwarf red buds, even though I see small ones everywhere. Yeah, that, uh, you know, I actually had um, a friend of mine, Peggy, reach out and she was looking for red bud uh, seeds to just throw right. along her property line. And that's funny, you're having trouble finding red buds yeah. too. Of course, the eastern red bud is what we all know was a beautiful tree here just weeks ago with bright purple flowers that actually grow along the trunk or the limbs and stems of of the tree and red buds are beautiful heart-shaped leaves that kind of go from a green to a deep purple almost but for the size you're looking for jennifer i came up with a few uh coral bark maple okay coral bark maple is going to be i mean any maple tree is going to be showy and of course there are dwarf varieties smaller varieties you'll have to do the research but the thing about the coral bark is once the leaves fall off the bark is literally a coral color so it's always going to be something to look at with winter interest as well um rising sun red bud is beautiful too since you're talking about red buds rising sun red bud is gorgeous it almost looks It's like an optical illusion. It'll play tricks on your eyes because the leaves will start to yellow out at the tip and then still go, you know, different variations of green going more in toward the trunk. And at times Mm -hmm. it could be almost four or five very similar shades, but it just looks so cool as they start to change color. Um, Little Gem Magnolia. I know a lot of magnolias can get really, really big, but little gem magnolia is going to stay a little smaller. And European smoke tree. If no one, you know, or someone doesn't know what a smoke tree is, in the spring, literally the big hairy looking blooms look smoke, like puffs of smoke. Um, And European, there's American and European, and the only reason I I delineate between the two is because that'll only maybe get to be 15 feet high, whereas American's going to be a lot taller. So there's a start for you. Okay, and all of those can take full sun. Yep. The ones, all those. Okay, that's perfect. I will try to find them. We don't have pikes here, so our nurseries are really small. It's hard to find any, anything, and I, I don't really want to buy that kind of tree online. You know, that's unfortunate because in South Carolina, you got pike in North Carolina. You got them in the Atlanta area, but it is tough to buy something online, too. So if anyone can help Jennifer out, too, call before the end of the show. 404-872-0750. You're listening to WSB. with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries on 95.5 WSB. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. There's a lot of stuff in the spring, too, and I think I've kind of been all over the place this morning talking about mosquitoes, talking about uh, trimming trees around power lines, the masters. We're just kind of all over the place. And don't forget the Atlanta Dogwood Festival this weekend, 404-872-0750. Some of your great calls about zoysia lawn, about pruning and tree trimming, pomegranates and uh, maples. So, But first, I want to bring her on directly. Week number three, Allison Smith from Pike Nursery. I love having you back. Good morning. 
Good morning. I love being here. It's the highlight of my week. Yes, mine too, because I love what we're talking about. And we were going to talk about azaleas last week, but we put our heads together and thought, no, 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 we need to move that. We need to move uh, azalea talk to Master's Weekend. So we talked about, you know, growing vegetables last weekend and perfect that we're talking about azaleas. You've got them all in stock at Pike Nurseries, don't you? Oh my gosh, oodles of azaleas, all of the colors, all of the sizes, all of the sun requirements. It is, it, if, if there were green, it, like grass in our greenhouse, it might look like the masters. It might. No kidding. <laughs> They're right? everywhere. All you need is that yeah. turf. Yeah. And so for a reminder for folks who um, have azaleas in their landscape already, I did just put some azalea camellia and rhododendron, uh, rhododendron fertilizer down on mine, knowing that it was going to rain the other day, spread those granulars below the plant. And uh, now might be a good time to fertilize them since they're an active growth. And Pike has all the products that you're going to need, Dr. Earth and such, for fertilizer to maintain the healthiest ones. Remember to prune after they bloom. Right now, there's nothing you need to be doing. Just admire them, cut back a few limbs here and there. But let's talk about installing new ones, uh, really kind of four steps or so that you need to know before you plant an azalea. Absolutely. As we've discussed several times, like there's such an abundance of variety and options with azaleas. Sometimes it can be challenging to choose the right one, Um, but there's an azalea for everyone. So in four quick steps, the first most important thing um, is to know really how much direct sun you get in the area. We've got um, azaleas for full sun, which is six hours or more direct, and azaleas that like, you know, four to six hours of morning or less. So knowing that amount of sun in the area where you want to plant is key. It's going to make all the difference in how well um, your your plants thrive throughout the year, but also the abundance of blooms you're going to get and how, how easy it is to care for them. Well, and when uh, Allison this- says morning sun, think about it. You know, if you don't know north, south, east, west, and you're terrible with cardinal directions, when you are in your house, whatever side where the sun is rising, of course, that's east. So that's going to be probably the best place for a plant that requires morning sun and it doesn't want the direct overhead, you know, hot part of the day, right? Absolutely right. That's 100% right. Um, And then knowing, um, in addition to the sun, Ashley, knowing the size of your space is, is the next most important thing. We've got azaleas that will get six, seven feet tall. Um, They can get five, six feet wide over their life, which is outstanding in a large landscape, right? But some people have smaller landscapes or they have tiered um, uh, shrubs and trees in their yard and they want to get perennials and annuals in. So a smaller azalea might fit. So knowing knowing the size that you want for the maturity, they all look a little small in, in their nursery pots <laughs> in the greenhouse. So make sure when you're at Pike, um, of course they all have labels, but we've got loads of associates that are able and willing to help uh, navigate with you um, the, the maximum height and width that each different azalea gets. And that, and that can really make all the difference as you plan out your landscape. Right. And then um, knowing if you want evergreen or deciduous, um, the majority of hybrids out there, uh, including encores, which take full sun, and then rebloom, bloomathons, these guys will bloom both in spring and fall, and they keep their foliage year-round. So you get double set of gorgeous flowers, both spring and in fall, and then foliage year-round. So it really is a staple in the landscape in that um, aspect. And then for the shade, we've got, um, again, the, re- the rebloom and the bloom. Twice a year blooms in the shade, but then 
we've got Gigi Gerbing, Gumpo, and George Taylor, Tabor, pardon me, that um, bloom, bloom profusely, but only one time in the spring. So you'll see a lot, everything's exploding right now right. with all the colors, um, but knowing how many blooms you want per year and the shade and the sun and the size, those are the first three. And then finally, probably my favorite, know your favorite color. We have got a color for everyone, uh, from whites to pinks to reds, uh, a variety of purples, even some orangey reds in there to give some real unique brightness. Every color you can imagine uh, along those lines, we've got. Um, the oranges are amazing just because, like you said, even a coral color or whether it's a tangerine or maybe more of a yeah. golden, that is just such a different color to see in the landscape aside from the pinks and whites and purples that we're used to. That's right. And if you've got the space and and you're creative and you want to go for a mix of colors, you can really pull out the brightness of orange by complementing it with some whites or a deeper red and feeling, you know, your creativity with the colors there. So if you look around as you drive around Atlanta, you can't miss them. There's Mm -hmm. azaleas exploding everywhere. You can get some really neat ideas from landscapes that you drive around and see. So you can do all of one color if it's your favorite and you want to dive in, but you can also really accent with complementary shades uh, different colors of azaleas in that same area. And now azalea, quickly, Allison, is going to be one of those plants we need to, you know, make a consideration of the soil because they do like um, acidic soil. So is there anything we can buy at Pike to maybe get ahead of that? Oh, for sure. Now, with with the red clay in the Piedmont region, we do, we do already have some acidic soil. Yeah. But again, we're we're planting living things, and we want the roots to establish well. So azaleas prefer a really rich, well draining soil. So we always recommend uh, that. Uh, clients who buy it, when you go to plant, you amend that soil 50-50 with planting mix or one of our favorites, our azalea and camellia soil, which is is designed specifically for acid-loving plants like azaleas. And then in that same vein, the planting depth for azaleas is is critical. They they are shallow-rooted plants, which, which just means that you want to plant them about two inches above the soil line yeah. uh, and then and then pack that soil a little bit above it to, to protect those roots. But what that allows is for the roots to be closer to the surface, Ashley, so that the water, oxygen, and nutrients are more accessible for the roots. And then you're just going to see your azaleas thrive. Um, of course, I, I'd be remiss not to not to mention using a root starter fertilizer just to get those to get those roots established at the time of planting as well. Yeah, give them a good start coming into the summer heat, which we know will hit us in a couple of months. And of course, watering, staying on top of that as they try to establish themselves, watering at the base of the plant. Mulch is going to help retain moisture, of course, prevent weeds and fertilizer. As I mentioned, you can certainly pick up Dr. Earth Acid Lovers or literally some of the fertilizers say on the bag, Azalea Camellia and rhododendron fertilizer, so you know. And uh, so if we install it, install it as azalea, and maybe over the next six months or so, it just starts to look droopy and we think it's not going to make it, you have good news. I have really good news. Um, 
it, they, they, they oftentimes acclimate and we want to get in there regularly water. Uh, you mentioned watering. Um, azaleas don't need a lot of fertilizers. So just at planting and then once a year, but with watering in that first season, their root system is just establishing. So you want to give them a really deep water about once a week for the first year. But as you mentioned, don't ever, uh, as much as you can avoid it, try not to spray the leaves of the blooms. Yeah. It just invites disease there. So a drip irrigation system or a soaker hose, that's fine. And if if Mother Nature it goes a little sideways, um, anything goes wrong, lightning strikes, if you've bought your azaleas or any trees or shrubs here at Pike, rest assured, our trees and shrubs are guaranteed for life, Ashley. We are here to help. We want your garden to thrive. And, and in the during the journey, if something goes sideways, your leaves start drooping, you see some little insects that have decided that that's their favorite place, or you see signs maybe of disease, come in, let us, we're the experts, we're here to help, we've got solutions, and, and if something if something is unsolvable, and it happens, <laughs> we know it, our trees and shrubs are guaranteed for life, we'll work with you to make sure we plant it at the right place, right. that you've got all the tools you need, and that those azaleas are going to thrive just like at the Masters. Great advice, Allison, for one of our Southern favorites. Thank you so much for the call this morning. Always my pleasure. Have a great week. You too, Allison. So azaleas of all sizes, all colors, available at Pike Nursery and guaranteed for life. Plant them, save the receipt. I always save the plant tag just in case, and you'll be good to go. 404-872-0750. All right. Up next is Smith calling from Atlanta. Hey there. Hi. How can I help Uh, you today? Well, I've got, uh, well, some years ago, I'll let, just let my yard man put in what are a popular zoysia species at the time, I believe it was Myers, and do the front yard. And I'm not happy with it over the, over the years. The shady, shade trees have gotten bigger, and the shady spots have thinned out and going away. And uh, about 30 years ago, I had another yard at a different house, but it was a different kind of shade, too. But it was emerald zoysia, and always thick and, and lush. And they went through a, a, a period of trying to come up with a latest and greatest species of zoysia and i don't think they did a great job but what works to i just want to get some species of zoysia that i can plant partially or have it put in partially around the yard around these bare areas that just fill in with the rest of everything so um and you're smart to be thinking along the lines of zoysia because that is a little more shade tolerant than bermuda when we're talking about our warm season grasses smith so um emerald is so common Myers so common, but uh, they the varieties have really come a long way. So Clint Waltz would recommend something like Zeon. Zeon actually does better in shade than Emerald. So Zeon zoysia is something to think about. And also uh, El Toro is a newer one. The texture is a little bit different than what you would see um, if you look at a side-by-side comparison of El Toro, say, with Emerald or Zeon. Um, but Zeon and El Toro would be my recommendations. And when we're talking about, you know, being a little more shade tolerant still needs about four hours or more of direct sunlight. Cause again, we are talking about warm season grasses. So still that sunlight is required, but start with that, do a little bit of research on that Smith. And I think you'll be quite happy. And just a reminder for folks looking to install new zoysia lawns, uh, the best time for sodding, we're really going to want to wait till summer, May, June, July to really lay that down and let the roots establish. Thanks so much for the call. We'll be back with more calls in just minutes on Green and Growing on WSB.
Weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. You want to know how to plan the weekend? Maybe you're headed out to the Atlanta Dogwood Festival. Wear layers. A windbreaker might not be a bad idea because it's going to be chilly and it's going to be a little gusty. High only reaching 55 today. Almost 70 degrees of a warm-up tomorrow and sunny skies. And then it gets warmer as the week progresses. 404-872-0750. Jake in Atlanta, I'm really sorry I missed your call. You're an arborist. Uh, in the Atlanta area and had a comment about uh, trimming uh, the trees underneath the power lines. I may carry that conversation into next Saturday because I probably need to be a little bit uh, better educated before I got on my soapbox this morning, but always welcome uh, experts in their field, arborists and landscape professionals to call the show for sure. Up next, though, Jody in Atlanta with a question about pruning. Hey, Jody. Hey, Ashley. Oh, hey, hey, you're there. What's going on? Hey, yeah, sorry about that. That's okay. Um, thank you for taking my call. I was curious, are there any like tree pruning or bush pruning classes that are available in the metro area? Um, I, you know, I, I Google things and see some, you know, you could go online and look, but I, I'm more the type that would, could, would be better suited to attend a class. And I know with COVID that probably restricted some for some time, but I was just curious if you knew of any. Well, you know what's funny? Um, that's actually COVID was when I discovered. Uh, more and more classes because so many garden groups were quick to learn online, whether it was Microsoft Teams or Zoom, and they were able to offer free uh, seminars and lecture series online. And many of them are still sticking with that. So uh, you being from Atlanta, I guess maybe Atlanta proper, North or Fulton County, um, on Facebook, instead of Google, go on Facebook and whatever county you're in, start typing that, you know, Douglas County Master Gardeners or for Atlanta, North Fulton Master Gardeners and see if there's not a Master Gardener group in your county. Oftentimes they will offer uh, free classes and pruning comes up a lot. This is the time of year, whether it's spring or fall. And also uh, Trees Atlanta. Trees Atlanta has actual like certification classes if you wanted to get that specific and go that route or I'm sure you could just sit in on one and not necessarily have to get the certification but Trees Atlanta has wonderful classes hands-on type stuff for that as well and they're always looking for volunteers too but they they educate as well and uh, the pruning guru someone that I have not met in person but I have seen uh, online webinars that he has hosted Rick Smith Rick Smith's fantastic uh, and the pruning guru, I mean, that is his name and that is what he does. And his website is pruningguru.com. And I'm sure if you look on YouTube and type the pruning guru, you will see some uh, classes that he has given online and really, really good advice. And one last one for you, Jody, would be the Georgia Urban Ag Council. I actually think that's who sponsored the uh, online webinar where I saw Rick Smith uh, and go to Urban Ag Council. I may post all of this on the Facebook page if any of you missed it, but that is a wonderful question, Jody, because I'm with you. I love classes and kind of getting immersed in the topics I want to know more about. So instead of Google, Facebook, local master gardener groups, or um, going on, uh, oh, I just lost my train of thought. Um, oh, YouTube. Looking looking at YouTube videos from people that are local as well. Thanks for the call, and sorry to Jan and Milledgeville. Always love hearing from Jan. We'll talk next week about blood good Japanese maples. What a beautiful topic. All right, next Saturday, I will be back in this seat. I hope you call. Have a good weekend.